you have the best seat in the house for the Utah Jazz. Welcome to the front row. I'm your host, Holly Rowe. And today we've got Sean James. This is kind of cool because I literally know nothing about how the scouting department for the Utah Jazz is set up. So you're going to educate us today. You are the manager of college scouting. I am. Um, And I find this fascinating because there's college scouting, there's G League scouting, there's international scouting. So I want to talk about your department specifically. You know, I'm on the road doing these big games like Champions Classic a couple weeks ago, and there's the whole jazz scouting department. So how do you guys have it set up for who has what region, who is in charge of what? So honestly, it's not a certain region that any one of us have where we all try to see potentially the top 60 players that could be in the draft. So if it's a player that's in Alabama or Duke, we try to make sure everybody see that person live before the season finishes. So everyone is spread out and we go all over the place. Oh, I like that because you want to come to a consensus instead of one guy saying like, oh, I love this kid. You want everybody to see Everyone to see him. So you could have your own perspective. When I seen him, I probably loved this kid as opposed to you seeing him at Champions Classic and you didn't. So we could go back and forth and have good dialogue in, in regards to that player. So you were a basketball player. You were a great rim protector. I was. Blocker. Um, do you have an affinity for the big guys or how has your own personal playing career kind of informed how you look at evaluating You know, I I don't even weigh my career because the game has changed so much. For me, is that I try to look at everybody with a blank slate. You know, I I don't try to do much work going in because I always feel like the best players, they're going to find a way to stand out, whether they're having a good game or a bad game. They find ways to make an impact. So I try to go into each game and watch it with a clean slate and make my opinions based on that. I also love that you've had to work your way up in this organization. You know, you come in and you're an operations assistant for the stars. How did you work your way up to your job? It's cool. So that's the cool cool thing about the Jazz. And at the time, the president, Dennis Lindsay and Justin Zanuck, they brought me in and they understood my playing career in terms of Europe. So they put me in a space to where I was able to do everything on the G League side, but then I would travel and do some pro scouting stuff and do the film work. They put me in the operations side, the basketball side, and then at the end of the year, I had an opportunity to either go to the basketball side and you know with Quinn and his guys or come to the front office side, and I, I chose this. What made you choose that? What stood out I to just, you? Just I, I was just tired of always being in shorts and being on the court. You know, I was tired of just the the basketball aspect of it. I didn't want to retire and then I'm still playing, you know, and and traveling as much as we were. And I just wanted to learn everything that encompasses putting together a team. It's really cool because you do have a lot of overseas experience. I feel like the layers of your experience from your college background to then you had a successful career in Israel. um, There's good players everywhere. It is. And how has that kind of helped you understand we've got to get out and see a variety of people at different levels? Yeah, absolutely. Well, internationally, basketball is catching up. Everyone is playing at every corners of the world. So for for us, you could find a gem every single where at every single area. You just got to get out and look. So me playing in Europe, I understand the European game, I understand the American game, so that gives me opportunity to go over there and try to look at talented guys or guys that may be slept on or under the radar. So it's been good for me. 
All right. So tell me in a college season, let's let's use one of our jazz rookies, for example. Okay. So, so last year you guys had, you know, you have these draft picks. Yeah. Um, give me an example of like, how, how did it look scouting Keontae George? Oh, I was, a it, it looked fantastic for me because I understand he was a freshman. I understood he's a young player, but like it was clear to see his upside as being much more than just a scorer. <clears throat> so I went to Waco a bunch. I seen them at least three or four times live. And every time I saw him, I came away with something positive, even if he wasn't scoring the ball. So for me, it was, it, it was easy to scout Keontae. So you had a unique playing experience overseas where you had a long time in Israel, but yes. you were the only non-Israeli to captain your team. What what about you has given you some leadership ability? Because now that's going to translate into the front office for the Jazz. I guess people like me. I guess <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. So at the time, we had a really good coach in David Blatt. That after my years with him, he actually came and became the the head coach of the Cavaliers, and he just liked my ability to reach both corners of the room, and, and Europe or even in the NBA, you want a guy that could whether it's the two-way guys or whether it's Laurie. You want a guy that could reach both sides of the room so you could keep everybody together and collectively y'all be a unit. And they understood that I could do that. But more importantly, in Israel, they feel like you got to embody what they stand for and their culture and just work hard and everything like that. And between the fans and, and Coach Black, they saw that. So they gave me that opportunity, and it was definitely an honor for myself. You were pretty famous there. Tell me about the time you were in Barcelona with Richard Smith and you got stopped by a busload of Israeli tourists. That's a great no, story. So, so we we were in our we were in Barcelona and it was my first time going back to Europe actually since I retired. And we were middling Barcelona going to this game and it, it was I don't it probably was at least 150 to 200. It was different buses of all these people. And one kid recognized me and one, it's like light in a match. So one kid saw me and then everybody else like, and Israelis are like, they're nuts. Like they go crazy for their basketball and people that wear that yellow jersey. So once that kid saw me, I said, Sean James. And then everyone saw me. It was like, just, they just swamped me out there. And we were stuck for about, we arrived at the game late because I was literally trying to sign as we move but we weren't moving fast enough. So Smitty said he's not going back, definitely not to Israel with me, but definitely not anywhere in Europe where we might run into some people that, that know me from just playing over That's there. amazing. Let's go back to your ability to connect with people. I would imagine in scouting, you know, you're going into cities, you want to talk to coaches. You know, I've heard um, of scouts talking to the people that run the facility, the operations, yeah. like, Give me an idea of when you land in Waco, who are you talking with and how does that ability to connect with people help you? No, that it, it truly, because at the end of the day, Holly, like we have relationship with the coaches, but it's the people that you think don't matter that actually gives you the honest opinion about guys. So whether that's a lady in the lunchroom that deals with you on a regular basis, that player tends to throw, to show his character more with that person than he with the with the staff and other people like that. So we try to meet with the trainers, with a lunch lady, a guidance counselor, just so we could see the true character of that player. 
how are you guys balancing talent and ability to treat people around them well and be a good teammate? No, it, 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 truly, matters. it, it truly matters because at the end of the day, where you're picking these kids, they're coming in and being multimillionaire as soon as you draft them. So for us, we're betting on the character. The character has to match up because you want them to be able to work. You want them to be a good locker room guy because if you don't have these traits and then you're giving them millions of dollars, it become a lot more difficult to kind of navigate and keep that kid level-headed. So the character aspect is literally what we put a lot in. And a lot of times a kid could have all this character. If you see the NBA, a lot of guys out the league, not because of the talent, it's just locker room or some of the stuff you may have to deal with. So we try to put a lot of emphasis on that when we're bringing these kids. Okay, let's talk about the organization. Danny Ainge has come in, and I remember an early conversation with him. He's had so much success in Boston. And one of my early conversations where he was like, wow, uh, Utah doesn't have X, or they're doing this differently, or here's how we did it in Boston. And it's not positive or negative. It's just things were different. How has he tried to kind of organize and change the scouting department? You see, that's the thing with Danny, man. He, he really lets you grow. So he's not coming in and making all of these changes and say, hey, we're going to change this, we're going to do this. He's such a big basketball fan that one, one of his biggest things was like, hey, guys, watch more games. You get a lot from the games instead of just watching short clips or watching how this person score. Like, watch full games. Like, get out there early, watch games live, watch full games when you can't be there in person. So his emphasis has truly been on just watching more basketball because you learn so much from watching the entirety of a game than just watching the game in sequence. So that's been his biggest thing that I've taken away because Danny Ainge is Danny Ainge, you know? So he, you kind of follow his lead and listen to all the little tidbits and advice that he has. And that's been great for everyone within the organization. He knows talent. He, he knows, knows basketball. Talent. Yeah. So whatever blueprint he has, who am I to say this? No, I just follow the blueprint. That's what I'm doing. Okay. Speaking of a blueprint, I'm curious about, do you guys have meetings and, and training or whatever about, here's how we evaluate players. Here's what's important to us. Or does he want you to have an individual eye that is your own kind of personal imprint on what you see from guys? Well, we know that where the game is going, so everybody want length, everybody want versatility. So if you could find that, that's that's very important. But he wants you to have your own individual eyes. So Danny will sit you down and say, hey, Holly, tell me why this guy sucks or tell me why you really like this guy. And it's your insight that you have to give. He don't want you to have it, you know, formulated or, you know, Let's talk about Taylor Hendricks, for example, okay? okay? Because he's out of UCF. Mm -hmm. I don't think he was a high guy on a lot of people's draft boards necessarily or, you know, nationally getting a ton of attention. How did Taylor Hendricks become the top pick for the Jazz this year? Like, what was it about him? Well, in in all honesty, our VP, Bar Taylor, he's the first person that brought him, and he wrote the name in my office that was right over there. He's like, Sean, you seen the kid Taylor Hendricks? And I'm like, UCF freshman, like, I I didn't see him yet. He wasn't on my radar. But after he said that, I made a trip out there. I made a few trips out there. And that's what kind of put him on the radar after that was Bart suggested him to us. 
And then everyone made it a point to go see this kid. Of course, as the season went on, he kept progressing and kept getting better and kept getting better. And it, it wasn't necessarily how he was scoring or playing defense, but it was how he was just truly affecting the game in, in roles that, in, in ways that he could control himself. And we, we, as a unit, collectively, we really appreciated that and valued, again, like I said, the size and the length and the versatility paired with the character stuff that he has as well. Yeah, it's interesting because you look at his stats and they won't blow you out of the yeah. water. His college stats are not like eye-opening, yeah. you know. He was a really good player for UCF. But I think what we're seeing now more and more, I felt like this way last year with um, Brandon Miller, a kid that I covered when he was at Alabama. And everyone's like, oh, he might go number one. He's, you know, super high draft pick. Well, no, we knew Wemby was going to go number one. Yeah, Maybe did. he's going to go number two. But um, I remember doing this game at Auburn, and I was like, I don't see it. I just don't see it. Like, he wasn't impacting the game. And then in the last six minutes of the game, it was Brandon Miller time. Yeah. So it's... I see what you're talking about. You have to watch the whole game because if that had been the only snippet I had of Brandon Miller, I wouldn't have thought he was that great. Um, but but then you watch the rest of the game and he's able to get the win down the stretch. So that's that, what you're talking about. Yes. It, 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 watching the whole game, like I said with Danny, you get a lot more from that than if you just catch that game in sequence and snippet. So that's something that has been really good for us as a unit. Let me ask you how your college scouting department deals with um, high school guys right now because I feel like you've got to be at Montverde Academy and yeah. IMG yeah. and the Australian Institute of Sports like there's a lot of kids right now coming out of the NBA global experience yeah. so so how do you approach that and who's in charge of that part of scouting so we we have we have a grassroots side and the grassroots side led by our guy Chuck Chuck is in charge of everything high school He's the one that says, okay, let's watch these guys and these guys. Let's do our homework because we only have a certain period where we can actually go out and see these guys and they have to have like a draft eligible guy on their roster for us to even be in that arena. So a lot of the time the NBA guys, we're behind the eight ball because we're, start, we're only allowed only a few times to actually be there in person to evaluate. So Chuck does a great job organizing who we should know about, not just 24, but two, three years out already. We're already, you know, recognizing those names. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think there's so much hype around certain guys. How do you guys avoid getting caught in the hype bus? You know, because like I'll, I'll go to games and everyone's like, oh, this kid's projected. That happened to me like two weeks ago. I go to a game and they're like, oh, this kid's being projected as da da da. I don't want to go into the game with yeah. a pre preconceived idea yeah. about a kid. I want to see him with my own eyes and my own evaluation. How do you avoid that? Honestly, just by watching games and having every single person have their own individual opinion. I don't want to listen to you. I don't want to listen to the mock draft. I want to come to the table with how I feel. And if we're in line, cool. If someone else has a different opinion, we go back and forth. We set up a Zoom. We set up just a meeting upstairs in the theater. And I point out certain areas where I could think would be strength or weaknesses and vice versa. And we go back and forth until, you know, you never come to a conclusion as a whole entire group. But you want people to see your perspective. And that's how it's been. Okay, can I put you on the spot big time with this question? Yes. Is there a player that you really fought for that you were like, no, guys, you got to believe in me, man. This is my guy. 
that has panned out that you're really proud of? Like, who's what? your who's your passion project? This past draft, you know, Danny, Danny goes, Sean, tell me, you know, and Danny ways, mm -hmm. I can't say it all my hair, but tell me what we're missing with this kid, Keontae. You know, and, and so then you're up there, you're like on the hot box and you're like speaking exactly what you're seeing and what your thought is and, and this, that, and the third. And everyone in the group have their own opinion, but you know, your place to speak your piece. So I was very high on, on key, so. Okay, I'm so proud of you because I've been watching him in games a little bit and I'll see these moments and I'm like, how did he how did he fall this far in the draft? You know, like it kind of surprises me because to me, he's been one of the top five rookies in the league. Absolutely. Like legit. Absolutely. And how did we get him? No, so like, for me, I think a lot of people with, with Keontae, they probably just saw him strictly as a scorer or strictly as a shooter. But I, I thought Keontae was very, every time I watched him, whether they made the shot or they didn't, I thought he played a very unselfish style of basketball but he was always able to score. So people put so much emphasis on his scoring that they didn't see the natural playmaking. And I felt like, yo, this kid could score, so that's what he does, but he's never turning down an assist. He's always looking for it. They may not convert at, based on how everything was at Baylor, but I just thought he played a very unselfish style of basketball, but he, was, he has the potential to be a very good scorer in this league. You were right. I'm so proud of you because the thing that stands out to me, he is unselfish. And the other thing is like, you know, whatever that it is, yes. he has he, it. He like has it. this kid's got some swag to him that I love. Not not only swag, but with every you gotta have like a irrational confidence and and, and Keontae has that. <laughs> you gotta believe that you could do the things you're doing. And I always felt like he displayed that that arrogance that you need to compete at this level. Like he thinks he belongs like from day one. And I I felt that every time I watched him. And he doesn't just say it, he truly believes that. Like even his pre-draft workout, like he was just going nuts in there. And like, you felt it, you felt like this kid feels like he could go higher and higher. And I love that. Oof, I'm just some, one day, can I just come to a scouting meeting? Cause I just want to hear how you guys talk. But then I also want to be like, Okay, well, here's somebody I've seen that you guys are going to really love. Like, I wish I could yeah. secretly be a scout. No, secretly you are a scout because you get a lot of stuff we may not get because you are you you are in these places. You're in these arenas. So you may have a lot of insight and intel that we weren't privy to that you actually have that you don't know you have. Yeah, low-key last year I talked to a kid. I'm not going to say who, but... I talked to him. I was like, hey, you know, what other passions do you have in your life? And he's like, nothing. I just sleep and play basketball. And then he said he didn't have any friends. And I was like, hmm, maybe that's not going to be the leader yeah. for the team. Like, that's going to hurt your draft stock because you're not going to be the natural leader. So right? by, by the time we sit down in these offices and, and we're interviewing these kids, they're so prepped up, we're not going to get that response. So I get the get. real. Yeah, you I get, get that, the real. You get the lunch lady info. That there we go. Get. Just call me the lunch lady. <laughs> um, okay, last thing is, how many games are you guys watching? Like, how, how many people are in your department and how much are you fanning out? Like, give me an example. Of My goodness, it's so many. A thousand games a year or how many? What are we looking at? Man, I, I truly can't put a number on it. Like, it's so many games. 
so you go from state to, from state to state watching games. So your mind, so it's a lot of games. And then when you come to the office, you're watching games on the plane because you can't watch all those games in one area. So it's you're watching more games on video than in person, of course, but it's countless amount of games. And, and everyone has their hand in college basketball. So Danny's watching games, Justin, Bard, Steven, everyone in our front office is watching college games. So it's nonstop. Last question before I let you go. You have to really love basketball because you are watching 100 games, thousands of guys, all this stuff. Why do you love basketball so much? Why are you still in this project? Man, so, so basketball came at a late point in my life, so I still feel that it's a brand new sport. You know, I, I, I truly started playing late. All the success I had, it was very late it came in life. So going back and understanding that I'm not on the court, but I'm I'm trying to impact kids in a different way. Every day is a great day for me. You know, I'm, I'm watching basketball. Who won't want to travel to these places and sit and watch basketball? So I truly enjoy that, but you're getting to travel with and meeting a whole bunch of different people. So that makes the atmosphere and the camaraderie a lot better when you're traveling. So for me, it, it's, it's, it's been fantastic. Like, no complaints. I feel that way every day. We're, we're getting paid to watch basketball. Yeah. But you're, you're everywhere, though. You're, I'm seeing you here, then you're here, then you're in every sport. So you. But we get I'm paid to watch sports. Sport. How cool of a job is no, that? You beautiful. get paid to no, watch basketball. No complaints. No okay. complaints. Well, thanks for joining us. I hope you'll come back and talk to us later in the season. We didn't get to Bryce, but we'll do that next time. And then can we do some more like leading up to the draft when kids have declared and we're like allowed to talk about people? Yes, absolutely. I'm at your disposal. Sean James, this has been The Front Row. Thanks for joining us today.